That's fine. Well, hi everybody. If you're if you're new to church, uh, you might have thought that was the sermon. Those were just announcements, the longest announcements in the history of the church. But um, it's my yeah. I'm sure you've got more. That's why they invented the internet. Uh, thrilled to be back for part two of Comfort and Joy. It's been a fun fall for me to be engaged with this community. I like this community a lot. There's one side of the church that I like better than the other, and I'll tell you that next week at Christmas Eve. Um, but it, raise your hand if you've been to a, a white elephant gift exchange. You've had one. Let me see. Okay, so a lot of you have. Would anybody be willing to just share what's the worst thing that you got at the white elephant Christmas exchange that you did? A what? A cow tub? Oh, cow tongue. Okay, that's, that's weird. Cow tub would have been weirder. But yeah, okay. What else? An orange camouflage sweater. All right. Just offended. There's two people back there wearing one. So uh, sorry, really am. What else? An electric fly swatter. <laughs> That's, I'd actually like to see that. I, I, I wouldn't mind that. That actually almost sounds like mine because mine was kind of that, I, I went to one last week and it was, I normally throw them away when I walk out, but mine was, mine was kind of cool. Now, here's my problem. And apparently at some point they put weasels in here and Pop Goes the Weasels would have been fine but I hate clowns, okay? Does anybody in here have, yeah, I just, clowns bother me. And uh, there's a lot of therapy that I've gone through with uh, uh, clown stuff. But this one bothered me a little bit. And I was going to throw it away because of the clown. Um, but actually, as I walked out, I thought, you know, I bet I can use that in next week's sermon. <laughs> because really, it it could be a metaphor for our lives, that all of us, and just imagine your, this life, this box represents your life, and we go through life kind of twisted and cranked and turned. Last week, as we talked about comfort, we acknowledged the reality of pain in, in our lives, and when we get twisted and cranked and turned, the question becomes of you, what appears? What pops out of your life when you were twisted and turned and cranked, when you get the pink slip that your job is done or the phone call that says you weren't accepted for the job that you were longing for, when your deal that you've been working six months on in real estate falls through, when one of your kids goes wayward, when the police shows up at your door, when a relationship goes south or sour, when pain in this very real world enters into your life and you've been twisted and cranked or turned, who shows up? What's the spirit about you? Is it somebody, honestly, that you're, you're proud of? Is it somebody that you like? Or when you're twisted and turned and cranked, do you have to then, a few days later, go back and apologize to other people who you have scared or or wounded. You know, what's interesting in my, my life for many years in Southern California, specifically South Orange County, most people I know don't stop their lives long enough to ask important questions of their life. We're all so busy that we never look inward 
to go, what is, on, what is so close to the surface? Who am I really inside that when I am twisted and turned and cranked and pain comes in, who appears? And do I like that person? Is that the person who God wants me to be? See, most of us move so fast, and really what we do is I call it the pursuit of, of happy, is that we just move through life trying to feel happy. We ask one another, you happy? You doing okay? If we engage with one another about our kids, we'll say something, you know, what, where do, you, where do, you, what do, you, do you have any dreams for your kids? What do you want for your kids? And most parents will say, you know, I really don't care what they do. I just want them to be what? Happy. E- exactly. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that there is something deeper and richer and more meaningful than happiness. You know that happiness is fleeting. It's, it's surface. It's, it's superficial. If happiness can be bought, then happiness can be lost. It can be taken away. If you're here today and you're investigating this whole Jesus thing, you're new, you're curious, you're wondering, you were shopping at the mall, you drove by, you thought, I'll go there, I wonder if they have food. Uh, You know, you're you're dating someone and they said, if you're going to date me, we're going to church, whatever it is. Let me just let you know, the Bible says there's something deeper than happiness. There's something deeper in one's life that isn't based on a circumstance or a happening or an event. And it's called joy. And this joy is is actually a free gift. It falls into this stunning category of the Bible called free. Grace is free. It's a love that's undeserved. Salvation is free. Eternity with with God beyond this, this life. And joy is a free gift. Now the announcement of joy and its connection with Jesus are found in the Christmas story. And I want us to take a look at that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, there may be people walking down. If you want one, great. If not, it's on your, um, on your outline or up in, on the screen. In Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8, is a little bit of the Christmas story. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. If you have your Bible and you get to verse 10, just take a a pen or a marker or something like that and just circle verse 10, because I want you to come back to verse 10 this week. I want you to think about it. Last week I talked to you about the word meditate, means to chew, to chew on this, to reflect on this, because there's great depth in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the announcement of joy. This is the beginning of where joy invades humanity with the birth of Jesus. Now, last week when we talked about comfort, and I I, I wonder if there's anybody here, and I, I, I always set myself up for this, and I don't know if I should do this. Does anybody remember the big idea of comfort from last week? Emmanuel, that is so good. That is so good. I actually have a... I have a prize for you, um, is, is I have this, this book. Who, where, who said it? Okay, I'm going to toss it to this fine strapping gentleman in front of you. 
And that is what our whole church is reading in the new year. But that's it. Emmanuel, because Emmanuel, I, maybe I gave it to you too soon. I'm going to put you on the, okay. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Oh, you, you're snappy, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even pause. Okay. Double or nothing. All right. Okay. Double or nothing. If you get it right, I'll give you two books, and you got all your Christmas shopping done. If, if you get it wrong, you give it to the guy in front of you, all right? Is I had a phrase where I said, Christmas is the presence of what? Comfort. Did you say it, or did the person behind you say it? Huh? It looked like your, your, your voice changed all of a sudden. All right. Split the book with her. That's it, all right? No, it's... Christmas is the presence of comfort. Emmanuel means this, God with us, Christ in me, that Jesus is here, he's not distant, he's not hanging out in, in Israel, that he's here. Okay? That was last week. This week, the message is similar as we talk about joy. It points right back to Jesus. Okay? I just stole this right out of the Bible. What is joy? Joy is the presence and the person of Jesus. Now, in my Bible, I, I took verse 10, which I told you to circle and highlight there, and I put four brackets around. There's a lot there. Bracket number one, I bracketed these four words, do not be afraid. Powerful words, even 2,000 years later. They were said to the shepherds at that point when the presence of God shows up, but these are words for us to hang on to. Do not be afraid. Some of you in here, stop living in fear. Second bracket, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Now, I don't know everything about you. I don't know a lot of your names. I don't know your life stories. Here's what I do know about you. You love good news. You love good news. We all love good news. We want to hear good news. We light up about good news. It changes our countenance. It changes oftentimes how we feel. We love good news. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Third bracket, that will cause great joy, deeper than happiness. This is a joy that's going to penetrate into the core of who you are. I bring you great joy in the fourth bracket for all the people. That's great. For all the people. Not just the wealthy. Not just the religious. Not just those that live in Nellie Gale. Not just those that uh, come from together families. All right? For all the people. That's Christmas. And Jesus may have wanted you here today just to slow you down enough to stop you to say, quit being afraid. Quit being afraid that you don't have enough. Quit being afraid that who you are isn't enough. I have good news for you. It's so good, it will bring you joy, not happiness. It will bring you joy. See, happiness is not enough. It's just not enough. Happiness at its very best is still incomplete joy. Now, not just on what preacher, teacher Doug says based on intuition and relationships and talking to thousands of people over a lot of years. You know, this whole idea of happiness has actually been researched. This week I was reading something in Time Magazine um, an article called The New Science of Happiness, from, uh, written out of the University of Pennsylvania, says this, and I, I'm not a guy to read a lot of research, but this is interesting. As a result of research, there are three 
primary components of happiness. First, pleasure. Second, engagement with others, meaning work, family, friends, community, neighbors. Third, meaning. So pleasure, engagement, and meaning. Meaning is the idea of using your personal strengths to contribute to the bigger picture of life. And he says this, of those three roads to a happy, satisfied life, pleasure is the least consequential. Some social scientists would say less than 10% of our happiness in life comes from the pursuit of pleasure. The author writes, this is newsworthy because so many Americans build their lives around pursuing pleasure. And it turns out engagement with others and meaning are so much more important. We're insane people. That we spend most of our life pursuing what brings us the least amount of happiness. That's, that's pleasure. So many of us in here, we've either bought into consciously or subconsciously a worldview. And that worldview says, the more that I have and the better stuff that I have, the happier I will be. Now, instead of this, this box representing your life, let me give you another, let me give you another picture, because I think the box, you can't really see what goes inside. Let me, let me just use a jar for a second. Let's pretend that this jar represents your life. And it's what I call for many of us the worldview where we seek pleasure is identified by, by three key words. And the key words are, if I just, if I, if I just, if I just had that new car, I mean, that new car that I've kind of been dreaming about, fantasizing about, lusting about, saving for, I mean, that, that, if I just had that new car, then I would, I would be happy. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Then if I had cash, I mean, if I had a certain amount of money, and for many of us, we have that even amount in our mind, that we check our IRAs and our stocks on a daily basis to wonder where we're, and we kind of have this idea. Now, you can't see this cash uh, up close, but this is a this is a million-dollar bill, okay? Now, obviously, it's, it's not real. It feels real. It's just one of those funny ones, and I keep it in my wallet because, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite bits when I go to places. I'll say, hey, do you have change for a million? And uh, <laughs> nobody laughs but me, which is, you know, most of my life that's what happens, but I just do it for myself. But let's just say, you know, if I only had pick the amount, then then life would be okay. Then we'd be taken care of. Then my kids would be set, or I wouldn't have to work as much. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop there. If I, only had, if I only had the award, if I only had the medal, if I was only the best at, at something, and this medal represents, if I had that, if I was the winner at that, then I would really, really be happy. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. <laughs> if if I only had that membership to Mission Viejo Country Club. I mean, that, that would be so great. I mean, I drive by the golf course all the time, and I go, that's a members-only course. And even when I visit there, you know what I have to do? I have to carry my clubs from my car to the clubhouse. i got to carry them. If I had a membership there, I'd have a locker. And I could just put my clubs in the locker. You know how great that would be? I mean, some of you that don't play golf don't understand how tough it is to carry clubs from your car to the clubhouse. 
And I mean, just think of all the stuff that I could do for God if I had a membership there, okay? And, and I mean, if I only had that, man, that life, I would be, I would be so, so happy. And if I... Whoa. Um, this is a couple getting married. If I, if I only, I'm single here. If I only, if I would only be married. I mean, then really, if I could <laughs> be so, so happy if I was married. Okay. Some of you are laughing because you're going, if I only wasn't married. Let's, okay. Ah. If I only had that house, that house, you know which one I'm talking about. I mean, if I only had that, last night after church, I went to some friend's house who live in Cota de Casa, and uh, I had never been inside their house before. I'd, I'd driven by it, and it took me about 10 minutes just to drive by the house, but I went in the house for dinner, and it had more fireplaces than I have toilets in my house, Okay. <laughs> And I, I man, if I if I only had that house, yeah, I could I could just do so much if I if I if I had that house, if I only if I only anti aging cream, if I only if I only could just look a little bit younger. I mean, if I could just do something to affect this these all these marks and this receding hairline, you could park a car back there. I mean, if I, you know, and I understand this, this month I turned 50, so I get it. I'm in that like, oh, 50, you're about to die. Uh, if I, if I just looked thinner, looked better, then I just would be so much happier. What am I missing in this jar, by the way? God. Yeah. Some of you said children. No. Okay. No. No. It's, it's back with the rope. Okay. And, and tie them up. Yeah. Jesus was the right answer, which, by the way, the more I'm here when I ask for answers, if you say Jesus, you're going to get about 50% of the time. All right. That's usually the answer when I ask. Um, so, yeah, I have, I have Jesus. Okay, Jesus is representing not just any Jesus, but the light of the world, Jesus. Okay, okay this is just, because, you know, if I had Jesus, Jesus kind of, just kind of enhances my life a little bit. And if I just have all of those things, then I'll be happy. Now, we, what we do is we, we pursue these pleasures to increase our happiness but it never ends, does it? Oh, because then now I got technology. I got to. I got to have the latest and greatest technology. It's 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 interesting that Kyle Zimmerman, pastor, is is texting during this time too. I just, <laughs> huh? No, I understand. Third time you've been here, boring. You know, you're like, hey, what can I do? I shouldn't say you twittered, twittered. If happiness can be bought, then happiness can be lost. There's, I mean, it's an excellent quote that you, you Twittered, but the fact that you're in church Twittering bothers me just a little bit. So, Can we stop and pray for Pastor Kyle right here? Lord? But, you know, if I, just had, if I just had the latest and the greatest technology, and then, then, now then, now, now it's full, then I'd be happy. Now, what's great, I love that you're laughing about this, because this describes you. You're like, no, it doesn't. Okay, denial. Okay. 
Yeah, but here's what happens when it fills. We have to refill it. Because just give it a little bit of time. I want something else to go in there because that is my pleasure jar that brings me happiness. And really what it is, it's like this, this hamster wheel for humans that we, that we never get off of because it always has to be full and updated to keep me happy. I have a friend who last, uh, last Christmas bought his daughter a hamster for Christmas. And they played with it so much on Christmas Day that they broke a hamster's, one of the legs. And uh, it was too, too expensive to get the hamster's leg fixed. So the $12 hamster, instead of paying $150 to have the leg fixed, just operates on three legs. Now, the hamster still runs on the wheel. I've seen it. It just hammers through that little hamster wheel, but it can't keep up with the hamster wheel after a certain amount of time. And with only three legs, it shoot, it shoots off the side of the hamster wheel. It's like evil, can you, boom, you know, off the wheel. Okay. And that's actually what I want to have happen to you. I want to metaphorically break your leg so that you can get off this pleasure treadmill for just a minute to ask really the important questions of life as I put in your notes what's in your jar or maybe even a better question what are you hoping will be in your jar because if it was in your jar then you would really be happy see I was thinking about that this week for myself And that's the problem with teaching. (laughs) You've got to live it out. Uh, And I was thinking, okay, what's in my jar? What if if I only? And sometimes, you know, these aren't bad things in and of themselves in the jar. They could even be noble. Mine, I actually think, is kind of noble. For me, the last several months, I've been pursuing and looking into a doctorate program. Because I want to, I want to be, I want, I want a doctorate. I I think I would be, I just think it would be cool to have a doctorate. I think it'd be, I'd be more respected. I'd be more intelligent. On my books, it would say Dr. Doug Fields as opposed to just Doug Fields. Okay, it would be Dr. Doug Fields. I work with a guy who actually goes to church here, Dr. Jim Burns. I work with him every day. And every day I'm reminded that I don't have a doctor in front or a PhD in the back. Dr. Jim Burns, you know, that's not, that's not me. And you may think, well, that's not pleasure. You're talking about pleasure. No, it falls under the same genre, if I just. And as I pause and I think about what I want in my jar, I can, I can actually just kind of hear the still, small voice of Jesus saying, so Doug, what if it's not in your jar? Who are you going to be then? Do not be afraid. Okay? Stop living in fear, Doug. I have good news of great joy that's available to you and to everyone, whether they have a food behind their name or a doctor in front. Joy is available. Now, to best understand this joy, this biblical idea of joy, I think what we need to do is just take a, a quick glance at what is joy with God the Father? What is joy with God the Son? What is joy with God the Holy Spirit? What is this orchestration happening in, in God's love letter, the Bible, that we base our lives on? Start with God the Father. 
for many of us, this whole idea of joy is difficult because we view God as this kind of angry, distant God who's not joyful, doesn't laugh. He's just, actually, when you think, a lot of you have a view of God that he's just kind of always mad and, and disappointed at you. He's, he's rolling his eyes. He's, not want, he's like my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Montgomery, who was always looking at you and pointing. Just, and, you know, we, we, we used to go to a movie room with the other fourth grade classes to watch science films. And I would sit in the middle because she couldn't get to me in the middle. But she would see me and she'd like, she'd just look and she was a mime. She would mouth it, Doug, that's one. <laughs> and the problem when she would say, that's one, is I would giggle because she had this arm swing thing happen in here. So when she would say, that's one, it was like, you know, and, and I, I just kind of did. And I knew you didn't want to get to three. Or you'd be in trouble. And some of you actually, your view of God is like Mrs. Montgomery. You're actually the kids that were in the choir. Did you notice them? I mean, they were cute and all, but they weren't perfect. I mean, if you were looking close, some of their hand motions were bad. I mean, if we were grading on a scale of perfect, we'd have kicked them out of the church. We'd have stopped the service. Hey, no, no, you were... You were cutting too late on that little sign there, okay? <laughs> and we kind of treat God that way, like we are on this stage performing our life, and God is going, that, that's one. <laughs> but I think God is more like the parents in the front row. Did you see them? They were just, they got their camera, they're just, I mean, you know, one shot is kind of like, let's get everybody that zoomed in on their kid. And it didn't matter if their kid was off at all. They were just, that's what our kid's so great. The greatest singer in the world, maybe the best ever, you know, and just zooming in. And that's, that's how God views you. There's six billion people on this playground that we call earth, and God zooms into you with, with such delight, with such joy of who you are. Just the very essence of who you are brings him great delight. In Luke chapter 15, there, Jesus tells these stories of lost things being found, lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. And it says in Luke 15, 10, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Isn't that great? That any time one of us has repented, which is a big fancy word for turn the other way, turn from living our way to God's way. We put our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for our sin. Whenever we repent, there is a celestial party. God, woo, they're throwing a party. There's a chorus going on. There's this great God of joy. Not only does he like to party, he likes you. Say you put a smile on his face. He takes delight in you. He lights up. He's full of joy about you. Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God 
joyfully rejoices over you. His countenance explodes into a smile. He takes such delight in you. The Bible says that he sings songs of delight over you. I have always loved you, have always loved you, have always loved you. And that's that he focuses in on you. You know, you see why I teach and don't sing. And, you know, and it's on key and the angels are harmonizing and there's this party over you. It's not that don't get to three. Or you're, that's not the God of the Bible. And see, some of you live your life in fear of that. God is crazy about you. He's a God of joy who wants to infuse it into you. So when God came to earth as Jesus, Jesus teaches these people and he says, hey, look, I'm going to leave, but I want you to stay connected to me. In John 15, he gives this, this metaphor of you're a branch and I'm the vine. And if you stay connected to the vine, you're going to grow and you're going to bear fruit. Now, God's the gardener, but you stay connected. In John 15, some of your Bibles, depending on the translation, says connect to me, abide in me, remain in me. Whatever translation it says, it says stay connected. And what will be the result of this connection? Jesus says, I will give you joy. Take a look. It's up on the screen. Okay? Uh, John 15, 11. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Complete. A complete joy. If you're looking for something deeper than happiness, Jesus says, I have a joy. Just stay connected to me and it will be complete. Jesus says to a lot of us that are on this treadmill, hey, I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you're looking for. Then when Jesus ascended to heaven, we're left with God the Spirit. God the Spirit invades our life. We talked about this last week, Emmanuel, Christ within us. A, couple, a month ago, we did the series Greater Than, and we were talking about Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the Spirit of God. And Galatians 5 says the Spirit of God comes into our life and begins to transform us into the character and the image of Jesus Christ. And in Galatians 5, it says that Spirit brings about love, which love display. Then he gives us a list of all these things that are going to happen. The first is joy. Okay, joy. So think about this. We've got the Trinitarian God, this orchestration happening of God who is joyful over you. Jesus who says, stay connected with me. I will make your joy complete. The Holy Spirit who's working in our life to bring about love and joy. All this is happening in the person of Jesus. Okay, in the person of Jesus. This right here, this is a picture of happiness. This is a picture of joy. You don't have an action figure Jesus at your house? (laughs) What kind of church is this? Okay, you know, this this is joy. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not pain in this person's life. No, that's not it at all. Joy is not the absence of pain. Joy is the presence of Jesus. Okay? This person's still going to have pain in their life. But when this person has pain in their life, all they have to hang on to is the stuff that they filled themselves with. That's why happiness comes and goes. Jesus never leaves. 
It's not the absence of pain. It's the presence of Jesus. And this is why it's so important for us when we have God's word to read it and to embrace it and to understand it because what you actually believe impacts how you live your life. So that if we really believe that God is a God of joy, that Jesus walked on earth and says, I want to give you your joy complete, that the Holy Spirit is working inside of my life to bring about joy in my life. If I believe that, it changes my, my attitudes, which impacts my actions, which results in an outcome. It's very important to understand okay, why we believe what we believe. That I believe in Emmanuel, Christ in me, God with us. And because of that, I choose Jesus. And when I choose Jesus, I choose joy. Now, watch this. If we believe that Jesus is just the little, he's just the little enhancement to our little happy potion that we're pursuing, this, this little pleasure pursuit. If this is how I choose to live my life, what happens is now I take charge of my own life. So I got to worry about everything. I got to control and manipulate my spouse or my children so I'll get what I want. I've got I've to control and manipulate my environment so I can kind of stay happy. I'm in charge of my own destiny, and all I do is I just live on this treadmill to try to make myself happy. And you and I both know that this isn't real happiness. And we also know that, that this doesn't last. But when... I choose Jesus. I choose joy. I choose a joy that lasts. Again, joy is not the absence of pain. Joy is the presence of Jesus. Looking at my notes because I wrote something down yesterday that I thought it was so good that I wanted to be you and just listen to myself. Uh, and, and it's this. Here it is. Um, <laughs> So many of us are running around choosing pleasure that fades instead of Jesus who invades, who invades our life and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Which one is you? Which one describes your life? Let's go, let's go practical. What does this look like in real life when pain enters in and you're twisted and turned and cranked? Well, let me tell you about my friend. My friend Eric, who worked with for about 15 years, he, uh, he lost his 12-year-old daughter last year to inoperable brain tumors. And some of you have heard of his daughter, because she was a, she's a local Orange County girl who actually has become nationally known and, and recognized. And uh, she, she started this thing called NEGU. And NEGU is an acronym, N-E-G-U, for never, ever give up. Her name is Jessie Reese. She was 12 years old when she died. I drove by her this morning on my way to church because her face is on a, the bus stop right outside of Mission Viejo library and she's a hero and she's a hero because she chose joy while she was battling these brain tumors she was had 30 radiation treatments in the middle of these radiation treatments at the children's hospital she turned to her parents and she said this how can we bring 
comfort and joy to the other kids that are here. She wasn't thinking about her own pain. She just said, how can we bring comfort and joy to the other kids that are going through what I'm going through? And that little 12-year-old wound up coming up with this idea called Joy Jars. And what Jesse decided to do was to take a, take a jar and, and fill it with a bunch of toys and activities and get this to kids like her who had cancer and were hurting and needed to be just cheered up. And so they call it Jesse's Joy Jars. And since, well, here's what's amazing about Jesse. She filled 3,000 of these by herself while she was dying. 3,000. Imagine this. You're dying of cancer and you're filling joy jars for somebody else. Since her death last year, 47,000 joy jars have been sent to uh, hospitals in 50 states and 11 countries to kids just like this who are receiving these. Last month, CNN recognized Jesse as the 2012 Young Wonder and gave her a Hero Award. Now, I tell you that story, friends, because a 12-year-old chose joy. Not because she had a closet full of clothes, not because she had the newest mobile phone, not because she had Justin Bieber tickets or a, a, a generous allowance. Jessie chose to put her faith in Jesus. She had enough wisdom as a child to say, yes, I believe. And Jesus began to transform her inner world to bring joy, to feel joy, to be joy, to express joy. Jessie, at a young age, chose Jesus. You and I have the opportunity to be God's joy jar. People are watching our lives. They're watching our lives and, and they're going, you know, there's something different about you. Everybody else lives like this, but there's something different about you and I don't, I don't know what's in your jar. I don't know if it's your, your career or your family or is it cash. What, what, is, what is in your jar? And the challenge to you is open up that jar. Allow people to look inside and see that, you know what, you're just like everybody else. You've got pain in your life. Not everything sings your way. But you're hanging on to Jesus. You're choosing Jesus, which is joy. People are always on the lookout. And you're God's joy jar. You know, this Christmas season, everybody wants to be invited to something. You know, next weekend when we do the Christmas Eve service, we're going to talk about comfort and joy. You are God's joy jar to get that word out. Now, let's, go, let's just go back to the original question, and I'll, I'll end with this. When pain happens in your life, what appears? Okay. I know what happens when this is the center of your life. I know what happens. You're a mess. When you're twisted and turned and cranked and this represents your life, you're a mess because it spills and it's not enough and that, that aging cream or that cash or that car or that country club membership is not going to be there for you. 
But when this represents your life and pain hits, as it did this week in Connecticut, Jesus doesn't leave. As a matter of fact, when pain hits, Jesus' presence gets bigger. And all of a sudden, comfort arrives and joy begins to leak out. See, joy is not the absence of pain. Joy is the presence of Jesus. And the great thing about God, he allows us to choose. We can choose which jar we want to represent our life. We're going to pray together, and I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit risky. I'm going to ask you just to go to prayer in a posture where you're just holding, you're just holding that jar. If you feel comfortable doing that, let's, let's pray together and just hold that jar in front of you as, as we pray. And as we pray, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to take, I want you to take your hands in motion like you're pouring out the jar. Jesus, you see your people who deeply want the joy that you offer. A depth of happiness that isn't based on our circumstances. We want that. Yet we so foolishly pursue the wrong things. May today be a day when we rest in your presence. Not being afraid. A day where we, we embrace the good news of great joy in Jesus. We thank you for the presence of Jesus. So we empty our jar of the things that we want to fill it with. We ask you, would you fill us? We choose you today, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray.